Welcome to The Whole Steward, the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. I'm your host, Andrew Stanton, and I'm glad you've joined. How do you feel about the cost of living where you live? Is it affordable, unaffordable? How does it compare with other places in the country, or the world for that matter? A new city just took the lead as the most expensive city in the United States. And no, it isn't San Francisco. Can you guess which city it is? I'll tell you, and then we'll talk about the affordability crisis today on The Whole Steward. Well, this is episode number 44. I'm thankful you're listening. The affordability crisis. Yeah, a new city just took the lead for the most unaffordable city in the United States. Can you guess which one it is? Well, I'll give you a hint. It's in California, and no, it isn't San Francisco. However, it is a coastal city, and you might think, okay, well, you know, California is one of those places where, at least in the past, it used to be very desirable place to be. It was cool if you were from California, and not so much anymore. It's kind of interesting. The trip I just took recently to Dallas, Texas, I was in the Uber. The driver found out, at least I told him, and maybe I shouldn't have, that we were from California. And he started threatening to turn the car right around and take us right back to the airport. Of course, he was joking, but that's the sentiment. It's kind of like, oh, you're from California. That's somehow a bad thing. And then I know a lot of people, a lot of my friends have are refugees from California. They've gone to other places, gone to places in the South or the Northwest or even as far as Alaska. But I don't have too many people that I know that are coming to California. Now, it does happen where people move away from California and then back to California. But what is the big deal with California. Why does it get so much attention in the news? California politically tries to say, oh, you know, we're leading the nation in the policies, the progressive policies that need to be flooded out to the rest of the nation. Well, unfortunately, I don't think those things are actually a good thing, and you may or may not either. But why does California get all this attention? Well, California has one of the largest economies, not just in the United States, it is the largest in the United States, but in the world. It's very interesting that if California were a country, it would be the fifth largest economy in the entire world. That's crazy. Let me show you, if you're watching, the breakdown of the largest economies in the world. And if you're listening, I'll explain it to you. The United States has a $23.3 trillion GDP in 2022. China is next at 17.7, then Japan at 4.9, then Germany at 4.2. California is $3.6 trillion economy. And that is ahead of India and the United Kingdom, France, Italy, Canada, Korea. It's amazing at how big the California economy is. It stands to reason that, okay, there's a lot of people here. There's a lot of people doing economic activity with each other. But what is the driving factor for the cost of living? 
why is it so high? And why is it that this new city that's taken the lead takes the lead as the most unaffordable city in the United States? Well, let's get down to what the rankings of the affordability of cities in the United States and the world actually is. Well, if you haven't guessed it by now, it's actually my home city, San Diego. Yes, according to U.S. News and World Report, San Diego is number one in the most expensive places to live. I have a large part of my network, having been born and raised here, who live in San Diego, and we all live in the most expensive place to live. Now, I live in a city that is in San Diego County. It's not San Diego proper. I do have a brother-in-law that lives downtown San Diego. And San Diego is now the most expensive place to live. Now, why is that? The Economic Times here speculates about it. Some people call it the sunshine tax. Our weather is quite good year-round. But the cost of living is very high and yet San Diegans are apparently willing to pay it. Me being born and raised here, my family is here, my wife's family, many of them are still here, but California is just a dominant force of economics in the world, not just the United States. It certainly is the biggest economy in the United States, but it has 12 of the 25 cities listed in the report are in California. San Diego is number one. LA is number two. Honolulu, Hawaii is number three. And then Miami, Florida is number four. There's been kind of this uh, battle between Florida and California in the political climate, so to speak. But hey, Florida has the fourth most expensive city in the world to uh, live in. But then, of course, it's Santa Barbara, San Francisco, and a whole bunch of other California cities before you get to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and the list goes on. So if you're interested, I'll put the link in the show notes. And if you're really interested, they also talk about how they rank the places to live and how they weight, for example, housing, transportation, food versus the incomes that you make when you live in a place like this. So if you're interested, you can dive really deep into these. There's a whole bunch of different factors and how they weight it, but I live in the most expensive place to live. Now, one of the things that is very expensive right now, although it's come down a little bit, is gasoline, for example. And if you do not live in California, put your seatbelt on really quick. Our regular gasoline was over $6 a gallon in the past 30 days or so. It's come back down to between 5 and 5.50 and when that seems cheap, that's a big problem. I visited my brother-in-law in Texas and he paid 2.71 per gallon. I could not believe it that our prices were over $6 a gallon and his was at 2.71. I filled my Corolla up and I actually I took a picture of the screen because I was flabbergasted that it took over $75 to fill 12.3 gallons in my Corolla. On the flip side, when I was in Texas, my brother-in-law filled up his big truck 
with 21 gallons and he paid less than I did for my Corolla. $58, I think it was, for 21 gallons. So, of course, like any good Californian, I looked around, nobody's watching. I took a selfie with the gas prices there in Texas because the contrast is so stark. So, of course, one of the reasons I do the whole steward is to learn. So I go on a little bit of a, a journey and I don't know everything about this, but I started getting curious. So why is California gas so expensive? Well, there's various reasons. And of course, everybody kind of argues about it. The prices are over $6 a gallon. And when they were, we had our governor saying we expect to see those prices begin to decline over the course of the next few weeks, which he turned out to be correct. But why? Well, Patrick DeHaan from the Petroleum Analysis for Gas Buddy said, there's a lot that's going wrong. First, the rising price of oil, but the lack of refining capacity, a special blend that's only required in California, high taxes, a cap and trade program, all of that. When prices are running normally, California is still about a dollar a gallon above everyone else. So there's all these reasons why energy, and remember, energy is directly correlated to GDP. Now, the thing that I find interesting is California kind of cheats a little too with having such a large GDP. Yeah, well, you're charging a lot for all your stuff. So it's the same gallon of gas. It makes your car go the same number of miles. It just costs well over twice what it costs in other states. Now, it's not actually the same gallon of gas, and that's what I've learned, but it's also taxed pretty high. So if you look at the taxes, we have the infamous California gas tax, which a bunch of people voted to raise recently. Very interesting. But anyways, it's supposed to go to uh, fixing the roads and all that stuff. If you've driven on California roads, once in a while you get to drive on a nice road, but a lot of times you're driving over potholes and I have my whole route to and from my house where I know where the potholes are and I'm already moving my car over the side of the road to get around them. They've been there for a long time. You kind of learn the roads. You learn the potholes. I don't know how well it's going. I don't know what they're doing with that money. But anyways, we're paying apparently 51 cents a gallon in taxes to apparently fix roads. Now, California is not the highest gas tax. I found it interesting that Pennsylvania was at 57.6 cents per gallon. Now, the other thing I learned was that since 1992, beyond imposing various taxes and fees, California governments are doing other things that raise the cost of gasoline at the pump. Since 1992, California has required gas stations to sell a special gasoline blend that reduces smog. Recently, the Wall Street Journal reported that the California blend adds between 10 and 15 cents to the state's gas prices as well. Of course, they have the summer blend and the winter blend, and apparently the refineries are here in California, and they weren't all running at full capacity. So we saw really high gas prices. That's just a part of the cost of living. We've talked about the cost of housing compared to the incomes. And if you didn't catch that, go back and listen to episode number 22. I do a breakdown of compared to what? Well, when you compare housing to incomes, you can see huge discrepancies between a city like San Diego 
and other cities, maybe like the Midwest or the South. Now, I will say that California has had a gross history of smog. So the controls that they put on California to control the smog, things like your catalytic converters on your cars and things like that, are a total nuisance, a total pain, and a total racket. But at the same time, the air has been significantly cleaned up. And I watched this video, if you're super interested in like old footage and and old reporting on the matter. This video was super interesting. I'm just gonna play a little clip for you. Listen in. Scientists simulated the atmosphere in chambers until the answers came. They discovered that smog was mainly ozone gas and very small particulate matter. It came from the burning of fuels and the emission of hydrocarbon vapors cooked under stable air in warm sunlight. It was the recipe for a toxic soup. I've been a resident of this city for 12 years. And brother, I can't take it anymore. In those early years, few understood that smog could cause permanent lung damage. Fewer suspected that it came from thousands of different air pollution sources. No one imagined that it would take the next 50 years of science and politics to make substantial progress controlling smog. It would take concerned citizens working with local and state government to pass laws that protect the public from air pollution. And it would take academia and industry working together to create innovative engineering solutions to reduce air pollution emissions. So, you know, you get to see a lot of old footage and kind of the progression of how the government and the citizens sought to address the issues. And one of the solutions proposed was like big fans up on the mountains to push the smog out of the valley, uh, out of the LA basin. There are many reasons for it. And if you're interested, I'll leave the, the link in the description, but super interesting video. Hi, this is Gary Pinkerton with Gary's Gulch Podcast. You are listening to The Hold Steward with Andrew Stanton, one of the best researched shows by a man of true passion. Now that you know more, go out and grow more. So 10 to 15 cents per gallon additional for our gasoline. Apparently, it's a special blend that is a little bit cleaner and of course then you have all the California smog rules and regulations for example I had two catalytic converters on my truck that I bought and it had passed smog many times of course you get a smog guy who will kind of go with the spirit of the law and say well the numbers are fine but you have to have an approved catalytic converter it has to be on the list of approved catalytic converters for California in order for the visual inspection to pass. And I understand that it's basically, hey, we're not going to run all the tests. We're just going to spot check and then check that you have one of the catalytic converters that are approved on the list, and then you can pass, basically. But I didn't pass visual inspection. 
The truck passed with flying colors for smog, but guess what? I had to cut those cats out, throw them away, pay for brand new ones just to pass the visual inspection. And a lot of people say, well, you got the wrong smog guy. Yeah, well, if I found a guy who broke the rules, sure, then I could have passed smog. But there they are. Those are the rules. And it is solving a problem that isn't necessarily a bad problem to be solving. There are a lot of people in California. Again, I don't know why. I guess it's the sunshine tax. California used to be super cool to be in, but not anymore. And it's got the most expensive places to live in the whole country. Fossil fuels are great in terms of the energy that they provide, that they store. And obviously, they're not a renewable source of energy, but they are what we have right now. And obviously, everybody's looking really hard to find new ones, but that is our primary source of energy. That is oil and natural gas. And we've talked about that before. Go back and listen to the episodes on energy and the economy. I just found this very fascinating today. And if you're interested in the cost of housing versus either renting or owning and the cost of housing compared to what, compared to incomes, go back and listen to episode number 22, Rent Versus Own. That's the one I was talking about there on The Whole Steward. If you're worried about the cost of living, what can you do about it? Well, you might say, well, I, I want to raise for my boss. Well, instead of asking your boss for a raise, why don't you give yourself a raise? Take the bull by the horns, take control of your finances, and make investments that produce income. You can do that with cash flowing real estate. You can do it with active businesses that you're building. You can take charge of your destiny and create more value for others, create passive income through investments, deploy capital and deploy your resources to give yourself a raise. If you're interested where I invest and the companies that I invest in, let me know, letters at thewholesteward.com. I'd be happy to share with you. And I have some exciting interviews coming up. I hope to share some of these solutions with you if you are interested in them. Finally, how do we wrap this all up? Well, I want to draw our attention to a man who lived 2,000 years ago, and that is Jesus Christ. We, we talk about economics and we talk about the cost of living and traveling and how energy has kind of transformed our ability to move and interact with one another. But when you think about the creator of the universe, when he was on this earth, what he did, it's very humbling to think about because we are so wealthy and we are stewards of everything that we are taking care of on a daily basis. And yet we are to be Christ-like. And he lived a very particular life. Listen to this poem. If you haven't heard it before, it's very powerful. It's called One Solitary Life by Dr. James Allen Francis. Here's a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. 
Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompanies greatness. He had no credentials but himself. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on earth, his coat. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen long centuries have come and gone, and today he is a centerpiece of the human race and leader of the column of progress. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that were ever built, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life. This man is the savior of the world, and he changed the world. Obviously, God in the flesh, very humble means on earth, and yet massive, massive impact. If you trust in Christ, you can certainly share that love, that mercy, that kindness, and that work that Christ did on earth with others, just like I try to do here on The Whole Steward, and how it impacts everything we do, all nine forms of capital that we manage on a daily basis. So trust him first and then learn how to live like him in your stewardship, in your management. And coming up in the near future, I want to get back into the Wealth in the Bible series that we've done in the past. We'll be looking at Abraham, a little bit deeper dive. You might see some things that I know I've never seen before in terms of how he stewarded his wealth, and he's held up as the father of faith. So certainly we have some things to learn from him. I also have some exciting guests coming up in the near future, so please stay tuned, share with your friends, your family, get the word out, give this a thumbs up if you like the episode. I really appreciate hearing from you. You all know who you are, who give me that feedback. I appreciate that. We are still looking for reviews on the website itself. You can go to the website to leave a review, or you can send it to me directly. That really helps build the show. So please remember to do that. And now that you know more, go out and grow more. All content on The Whole Steward is for informational purposes only and must not be considered personal, professional, tax, or legal advice. Please consult an appropriate professional for individualized advice. Though we do our best to bring you reliable information, we make no guarantee on its accuracy. So you must rely on your own due diligence to draw your own conclusions. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own and may not represent that of the host. Please visit our website for complete terms and conditions.
Thanks for joining us today for the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. This show is brought to you by thewholesteward.com. 